So, if there was ever a time in my life where I felt I needed a life coach, then it'd probably be now. And luckily for me, that's exactly who we'll be speaking to on the next episode of Get Hurt, the podcast. Please join me as I welcome our next guest to the show. And as always, thank you for listening. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? So, uh... (laughs) Uh, first off, I want to welcome you to a Good Hurt, the podcast. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. There's normally this spill that I give everybody, but it's uh, it's pretty authentic. Um, I know that you've already been busy this morning with a couple things, but uh, go ahead and introduce yourself so the audience know who we're talking with today. Sure. So I'm Helen Pham. Um, I am a life coach um, and have really been, I guess, kind of, you know, we know each other through the fitness industry. Um, I've seen you at a couple competitions, right. um, but mostly, yeah, health, fitness, and life coaching. Okay. Um, so I mentioned earlier that you were already busy today, and that's because we pushed this podcast, you know, back a little bit because of your schedule. Uh, you spoke about being a life coach. Um, I've heard I've heard that title thrown around a whole lot. And at one point I was like, well, don't you have to be a certain age to be a life coach? But I was thinking about that. And personally, I feel like, you know, everyone has something that they can share with someone else regardless of their age. So if you're mature enough to put yourself in that position and want to be a life coach, then more power to you. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, you know, age is just a number. And I think um, there are a lot of people out there that have gone through a lot. And each of us have our own specific story, a lot of things that we've overcome and gone through. And there are definitely other people out there that are seeking, you know, your specific guidance, your story, and just people who gravitate towards your specific energy. And so I think um, there's a lot of younger life coaches out there. And I think it just depends on what you're specifically looking for. Right. Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same. So, um, Life coaching, what else? What else you're doing these days? Because, yeah, as you mentioned, I do know you from fitness. Uh, I think it was True Fit Boot Camp over in Van Nuys, California. That's where I first laid eyes on Helen Pham. I thought it was Helen Killer. (laughs) But uh, that's your (laughs) IG tag. So what else do you got going on besides your life coaching? Yeah. So, um, yes, we did definitely meet when I first started at true fit, which was, you know, functional fitness and, um, you know, just not the CrossFit brand. And then since then really segued into, um, CrossFit, which is still functional fitness training, but, um, have been coaching CrossFit for the last two years and loved it so, so much, you know, before when we met, you know, I was just kind of diving into it and I really fell in love with it. And, you know, got my CrossFit level one certification and started training and, and coaching for the last two years. And I can't get enough of it. I think I just love coaching and I love working with people in general. So whether that be, you know, fitness training or life coaching, that's just what my life is about. Why don't you go ahead and drop your uh, social media tags, your IG and uh, Twitter and all that stuff so people can look you up if they're interested in what you're talking about as far as the coaching is concerned? Sure. So it's just at Helen Killer, H-E-L-E-N-K-I-L-L-R. Um, that's just Instagram. And that's actually the only social media that I'm on. So no Twitter for me. Ah, good to go. OK, so <laughs> what does an actual um, coaching session over the phone sound like? I know you had two of those this morning before we spoke. So how long is it? Is it actually an hour call or, or what, what goes on during those calls? Yeah, so I think my... Every coach that you meet, you know, depending on what it's for, um, 
it's going to have their own style and it's also going to have their own setup. And for me personally, we definitely have like a discovery call before we even agree to get started, really just reaching out to people or actually, I guess they reach out to me, um, just getting to know that person, their goals and kind of what they're struggling with and hearing about what's going really well in their lives and, and where they need to get a lot more clarity focus or support. Um, so obviously coaching is, it's tailored on you, but whether it be fitness, life coaching, um, you know, you're coming to your coach with a specific goal in mind and maybe you don't have a specific goal, but that discovery call is to identify, you know, what goal you really do want to set for yourself and what areas of your life you need to improve on. Um, and so if it is a good fit, you know, that, that discovery call is usually about an hour, maybe an hour and a half sometimes, um, kind of just running the ground rules. Um, I usually like to do at least a three month package with clients. And that's really because I think with anything, you know, real change doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And definitely with life coaching, we're really working on self-development. We're doing really dirty work, right? We're looking at, you know, why are things going well in your life? You know, what haven't you been doing and what do you need to be doing? So we're asking some tough questions and the work doesn't happen on the calls with me. They're, the calls are three month, uh, three calls every month. Okay. The, the calls are just, yeah, and they're an hour long, could be FaceTime, could just be a normal voice call, but those calls are just like when we put your life on pause and kind of see what has happened. The real work, like anything else, is when you're living your life, when, you know, are you having awareness in your life? When you say you're you're wanting to meet a goal, you're trying to to hit a target, you know, what work are you actually doing when, you know, we're not on the call? Because that's that's really going to be what dictates your results. Okay. Have you, uh, have you ever had a life coach yourself? Have you been, you know, under the tutelage of a, a life coach? I have not actually. And that is actually something on my list. Okay. And the, how I got introduced to it was actually my, my life partner. Um, I guess, you know, I don't pay him, so he's not my professional life coach, but <laughs> <laughs> he has been a life coach for several years, full-time life coach. And, you know, we obviously look together and after just years, after years, after a year of living together and just kind of hearing him coaching, I'm like, you know, that's really inspiring me every day to, to kind of dive into this sector and this industry, because I was already CrossFit coaching. And what I loved about it again, was really helping people meet their fitness goals mm -hmm. and health goals and hearing him, you know, he, his niche is more creativity and artists. So he works with a lot of musicians and artists, but okay. hearing that every day over and over again, it's like, wow, that sounds so fulfilling to me. It really sparks, you Got know, it. something inside of me and, um, really using him as, I guess my mentor. Um, but he's the one who has really inspired me to, to dive into this. And okay. it's been amazing. What's his name again? Nick. Trey. Yeah. Yeah. I see Nick a lot on IG. Uh, seems like you guys are doing pretty well. And I like the title you just used, Life Partner, you said? <laughs> yeah, okay. because we're Life Partner. All right. So everything looks beautiful on the IG. Uh, but every, as everybody knows, IG is not really really life. It's just, uh, what do they say, the highlight reel of life? So uh, yes. what, what are some of the struggles? Because you speak about helping other people through their struggles and setting their goals. What are some of the struggles or goals that you have planned for the near future or that you've experienced in the, in the, in the, in the recent past? 
Yeah, I think that's a great question, um, especially as we're wrapping up 2020, which I think has been a very interesting, challenging and to say the least. Um, yeah. Yes. Year for, for, for us all. And I think I had just um, celebrated my 29th birthday last week. Okay. And okay. have it belated. Thank you. But I, I think, you know, 29 is that kind of weird number for me. And you're probably laughing, but it's, you know, <laughs> no. getting ready to close off my 20s right. and, you know, stepping into this next, next decade of life. So I think with that comes just this pressure or maybe, um, you know, some expectations that may come from society, family, friends and, and myself. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I think something that people might struggle with and I had struggled with recently was, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to turn 30 and you have these preconceived notions of what you should have accomplished in your life, mm-hmm. right, by a certain age or what I should be doing and, you know, what is this next decade going to be looking like? And I think, um, you know, money-wise, health-wise, career, all of that, I think it's just this transitional phase. And what is it going to look like in 2021? Is it going to get better? Are we going to have another year like this where, you know, we have limited interactions with other people? And so I think that's a big thing that comes up on coaching calls too. It's meeting these expectations of, you know, beating down on ourselves when we feel like we're not meeting expectations. And I think the question is really, where do these expectations even come from? And is it something that you even want to live your life by? And for me, it's like, I think that's the trap. Like no one has, no one always has their life figured out. I think we're, we're all doing the best we can every day. And the goal is to kind of get clear on you know, what do you want for yourself? What What is your life vision? And the more clarity you have on what you want your life to look like, you know, family, relationships, career, health, um, and also how you want to feel, how you want to be, you know, are you a, a grateful person, someone who's level-headed, rational, loving, caring? Um, the clearer you get on that vision, the easier it is to live day by day to see, you know, how you're showing up. And if, if you're working towards that and you're, you're on that path. So that's right? sort of, that's, sort of, that's mm-hmm. been one of your challenges to, to, to see that vision. So you're saying you're working on uh, bringing that vision into reality, so to speak. I think it was, it was very clear for a while, you know, um, you know, CrossFit coaching, I want to do life coaching. And now that, you know, it's, it's been some time doing it. It's like, well, what's next? Okay. Right. It's, you know, what does the future hold for me? Do I want to continue expanding on life coaching? Um, you know, do I want to explore other avenues? Like what else excites me? Um, because I think what is dangerous is getting comfortable. And I, I notice myself getting a bit comfortable. Right. And it's like, wow, if I'm not being challenged, if I'm not a little uncomfortable, then I think there's something wrong um, for me. You know, I'm always striving for that growth. So what is next? And I think that's the big, big question mark for me. You just, um, I mean, I'm not really a big fan of comfort either, but I'm just going back on what you just said and about expectations. And I think a lot of the way we live in America is based on American society. You spoke about, okay, I'm about to turn 30. Am I where I'm supposed to be at when I'm 30? And again, that's based on American society. Um, As you travel the world, I mean, you'll see people, you know, with very simple lifestyles that that, that they're happy, basically. So I guess I say that to say as long as you're happy, 
I think that's probably one of the biggest things you should focus on as far as expectations are concerned or whether you're comfortable or not. If you're comfortable or if you're happy being uncomfortable, then yeah. If you're happy being comfortable, then that's fine as well. I think happy is the number one thing, but not the only thing because you spoke about finances and that's very important. You know, if worse comes to worse, then, you know, you can't pay for your housing or your, your food or your shelter, your basic necessities, and there's no one else to supply those things for you, you're going to have a problem. So um, personally, I think focusing on your happiness, and happiness does not mean, because I know you're a very positive person. Myself, I'm really not. I kind of think I'm more like, I don't really want to use the term realistic, but um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm a, so I'll have a balance, so to speak. So I kind of I thrive on that adversity. I thrive on a little challenge every now and then, but that's what makes me happy. So as long as you're doing what makes you happy and it does not interfere with someone else's happiness, then I think that's one of the first things you can focus on. You should focus on besides your financial uh, stability and all that good stuff. I totally agree. And I think that reminds me of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? It's, you know, there's this pyramid and at the top of the pyramid is, you know, enlightenment or self-actualization, you know, living your highest life. And at the bottom is just survival, right? right? If you're just, if you're struggling to pay your bills or to even find food or shelter, the last thing, you know, that's on your mind is probably spiritual enlightenment or right. anything else. So you know, I think a lot of us do have that luxury. Like if we look around, you know, we always have more than enough, especially in America and not all, but I think, you know, just those that are probably listening. Right. Um, but I think it's super important to focus on what makes you happy and, and having the courage to question, you know, is it really money? Is it security? Are, are those things, you know, what are the things that truly help me feel fulfilled? Because I think asking that question, what makes you happy? That's, it's a really hard question to answer, I think, for, for a lot of people. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's what life coaching is all about, digging and diving in and, and getting you know the clients and people to answer their own questions. Right. I think when they answer their own questions, they, um, they have more of a connection with it than if you have to give it to them, right? Yeah, I think there's a big misconception about coaching. It's like I am not a – and there are some coaches that are more consultant-based for sure, depending on industry. But – their coaching is not about me giving you any advice. And, you know, if you would like my opinion, for sure you can have it, but it's about asking questions actually. And and for, for you to to find those answers, because it doesn't matter what I say, you know, it's your life and only, you know, what is best for you. And so it's, it's about asking those questions, creating that safe, non-judgmental supportive space for for people to really do that exploration it's it's kind of hard sometimes to do it on your own but if you have intentional dedicated time and space to dive in and you have someone along there with you that's not going to judge you and that's just listening it's easier sometimes to discover those those answers or discover rediscover yourself right i'm sort of thinking from a, a fitness point of view or be me being on the track with my coaches and I'm actually the person doing the work. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the blood, sweat and tears, but they're that guidance. They're giving you that guidance, making sure that you do it to the best of your ability or the most efficient way or the safest way. And, uh, I think that's sort of the same thing that you're doing as a coaching. I'm not trying to give you the answers. I'm trying to help you do the work to find your answers because those are your answers. I can't give them to you, so to speak. Totally. You know, we can come up with a game plan and I can definitely hold you accountable but you have to make the layup or the touchdown. Got it. So um, so what do you fear? 
Ooh, what do I fear? I think I fear being unsuccessful. Okay, so what is success? And I think, yeah, so for me, I think you mentioned something earlier. You're like, you're very positive. And I think, you know, um, you didn't know the old Helen. (laughs) It was very, very negative, actually, and very judgmental. And um, that was really my, (laughs) I know it's so different. Um, But it's really the work that I've done on myself is, you know, I've had a really kind of more strict upbringing, um, you know, first generation immigrant family, you know, there's a lot of expectations, right. Mm-hmm. On you to make sure that you do your work and take this opportunity that your parents have given you and provided for you from coming, you know, immigrating from another country. Right. And so it's, you know, very strict, um, and, you know, a bit judgmental. And I think it was kind of like, preparing you, like always prepare and expect the worst. And I think that really had an impact on, you know, how I viewed the world. And it was a little bit more, I wouldn't even say realistic, probably more on the negative side, you know, judging the world, waiting for someone to hurt you or someone to, you know, for things not to work out. And Mm. if you really have that mindset, you know, guess what? It's not going to work out (laughs) and you're not really going to be happy when you're expecting the worst and really doing the work to reframe the mind to think in a more positive light. Right. right? So I had to go the opposite end of the spectrum to really actively choose mindfulness and awareness to become positive and to to then ask, you know, what's the best that can happen, Mm -hmm. you know, and trusting and having that faith. And so I think financial, like financial success has always been really ingrained in me, you know, like growing up, it's, you know, you, you go to school, you go to college, become a doctor, which I'm not, (laughs) and, Mm. you know, make a lot of money. And that's, you know, you've, you've done it. You've, you've done everything that your parents wanted to. And up until that point, yeah, I, I went to college. I, you know, right out of school went, you know, had a very great paying job and, that's when we met and I was probably the the unhappiest. I had checked all the tick boxes that I was supposed to do. I was financially secure. I was in, you know, a, a relationship that looked really good on paper, but I was very unhappy. And, Mm. you know, I was just living my life to others expectations and just doing everything I was quote unquote supposed to do. But none of that work fulfilled me. And the money didn't make me happy, (laughs) you know, and so I really had to look at myself and, and ask the question, you know, like, can you even do this for the next five years? Right. You know, because if you're this unhappy, you know, if you do the same things, guess what? You're just going to be even unhappier. Right. And so at that point, really moving out of LA, moving back home uh, with my family and, you know, taking that leap of faith with fitness, CrossFit coaching, which is, you know, definitely not something you do if you want to make a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I think those kind of programmed ideas of like financial security, financial freedom, that's always something I'm working towards. And that I think is a a kind of an anxiety or fear in the back of my mind is, you know, I think there's a reason why people are sometimes uncomfortable speaking about finances, right? right? It's sensitive subject. Okay. 
Based on what you just said, there's two things that I want to touch on. Hopefully I don't forget. The first is you're always, almost always going to be unhappy trying to live your life living up to someone else's expectations. And that's something that, as a parent, I'm really trying to put into effect. Because as a parent, we have all these hopes and dreams as far as our kids, um, you know, growing up to be this and that. As a parent, what I'm trying to do, and I kind of realized that my mom didn't do this, but she was unable to do it because of the situation, seven kids, single parent, you know, she was mainly concerned with keeping food on the table. But being in a better position myself, I'm focusing on what my kids' strengths are. Like one of them is like the video gaming techie type. One's like the artsy, crafty type. The other's very athletic. And what I want to do so that I'm not pushing them in the direction that I want them to go is I want to try to hone in on what they're good at and just help them grow that. I think that's one of the best things we can do as far as not putting our kids, because your your parents were only doing what their parents probably did as far as hoping that you move forward and you succeed in life. That's That's just what they were taught. And I mean, it's not a bad formula. And for most people, that formula has worked, but... Again, being in a different time, you know, different kids growing up in a different situation, I think that's one of the things that, that that's going to make our kids, you know, our future more successful and not having them to have to waste the time or, or, or have to go through the period of your life where you, the period where you say you went through where you had to figure like, hey, I've checked all these check marks off and it's not working for me because that's not what I want. That's what they wanted. So I think one of the biggest things that we can do as coaches as parents, as leaders, as teachers, is just to try to help these, um, help the future generation be what they want to be better, so to speak. Totally. And yeah, I think from a parent's perspective, it's, it's hard when, you know, you raise, you, when you love someone, even if they, you know, it's that unconditional love, but it's hard even when someone you love has like a different opinion than you. Right. Mm -hmm. And your kids are going to grow and they're going to become their own and be independent. And it's hard to totally hear no dad. Like I actually don't want to do that. Or I, I don't agree with you. And I think that's something that's really hard to hear from people we love. It's what you don't think what I think and you don't, you know, you don't believe what I believe. And I think that's the basis sometimes of a lot of friction in relationships and definitely with, with my, with with how I was brought up as, Oh yeah. You know, like just making money and, you know, just going in healthcare, like that, that doesn't make me happy. Right. And the second thing I said, I didn't want to forget it, but of course I did because that's just what I do. I should have wrote it down. (laughs) Maybe it'll come back to me later. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that's very important as far as uh, the development of our, our future kids and our generations and us and ourselves just to be happy is that we, we kind of walk our own path. Again, as long as it's not causing harm to anybody else, you know, you do you, so to speak. So uh, I'm going to switch it up a little bit, take it off topic as far as what we're talking about right now, but maybe I'll bring it back. Let's talk about tattoos, Helen Killer. <laughs> oh, fun. Because, uh, yeah, uh, you have a lot of them. And I just saw this real nice tiger on your shin. And uh, yeah, you could tell us about that one. And if you want to go into more stories about the rest, feel free to do so. But I like tiger. So let's talk about the tiger. Yeah, I well, that's actually one of my favorite tattoos. Um, So I most of my tattoos are American traditional style. So super kind of 
navy influenced American kind of thick, bold outlines, bright, simple colors, um, things that are just meant to last. And most of my tattoos, um, actually they all have a meaning that are, you know, something to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I put, put a lot of thought into, to symbols and, and things before I, you know, put them on my body. But this piece specifically is done by Griffin Gersey. So amazing Orange County based tattooist. And, Man, I it's on my shin and it was definitely super painful. <laughs> Probably one of my most painful tattoos, if anyone's wondering. Yes, that was really painful. Um, but yeah, I, I picked the tiger because, you know, the power and the strength and the courage that it, you know, represents and symbolizes. And I love animal symbols and right. symbolism. And that one really spoke to me and you know, tiger head is super, a, a very traditional um, subject matter and piece in the American traditional space. And I love it so much. And, you know, its mouth is open and um, it's definitely my favorite tattoos with the roses on it. So so what's the difference between the tiger and the lion? Because most people gravitate more toward the lion. I myself have the lion, even though I like tigers. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so why, why, why tiger instead of a lion? Yeah, I think I think maybe people um, correlate lion with courage a little bit more. I think because of Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. but with the tiger, I think definitely that strength. And I think for me personally, I think as a woman in my feminine energy, I gravitate more towards the tiger and the tigress, and you know that kind of feline, feminine, mysterious okay. energy alongside with that okay. ferocity and um, yeah. Okay. All right, fierce tiger. I like that. Okay, yeah. and I guess if I do think lion, I'm thinking lion's mane. You know, that's more of a male figure. Not that there aren't lionesses, but yeah, I got it. Okay, right. I can roll with that. So, how many to- <laughs> how many tattoos total? Oh, that's the question where I'm like, yeah, I have, I can't answer you. Like, wow. I stopped counting a really long time ago. Got it. Okay. Good yeah, to go. and I yeah, I won't stop. I would love to be completely covered. That's a question I get. Okay. all the time it's like yes <laughs> so I I have about I don't know 15 tattoos um, and I can't really ever remember either or any of them being painful because I have this little <laughs> ritual that I like it's like I'll drink a Corona beer um, which is kind of you know not really that effective but and then I'll have like a, a Advil or something and I just you know get a little little light little tipsy I mean it's just a beer and an Advil and you know, I get it done. I got a full back piece, um, you know, uh, even on the top of my foot, which is probably considered to be a tender area. Although I did see this guy getting a tattoo in his armpit the other day, and I can imagine that would be pretty challenging. But Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so you just go in, uh, you know, fresh and be like, hey, here you go, let's do it. You don't have any rituals or anything prior to your tattoos? No, I think it's just, you know, um, once the design is set, you know, I bring my headphones, my beats, I bring my book, I'll bring, you know, a little iPad if I want to watch a movie. Um, but it's literally just like, once you go, I'm not too much of a talker, to be honest. It's like, I got my headphones on, I'm reading my book or I'm watching like a movie or show and I'm, I'm trying to really zone out, but I'll take it. I'll take a couple Advil's, you know, for any potential inflammation, but nope. Okay. That's All part right. of the tattoo is feeling that pain. No doubt. And get I feel it, like it gets, it. <laughs> I feel like I'm wimping over you know, as I get older, they seem to hurt more and more. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, you spoke about reading books and uh yeah, that seems to be one of the things that you like to do. You're always posting something about books. Um what's the best book you've read and why is it the best? 
Oof, this, oh, that's a really tough question. I think um, something that pops out to me is Wayne Dyer. Um, and he's amazing. If you're into self-development, um, self-help type of books, he is like the father of motivation. Okay. <laughs> and his book, he has, he has several, but the one that jumps out to me is your erroneous zones. And it's not anything sexy. It's not written in a fun language, but it's very straight to the point And it, it speaks, it speaks to my soul, but it really talks about all of your, the behaviors that you're doing in your life that are really holding you back. So okay. it's really a book for those who are ready to, to kind of take a, a look in the mirror and, and say, Oh yeah, that's me. That's where I'm, I'm not showing up the best. And that's why I'm not having the results in my life that I want. You know, that's why I'm unhappy or I'm not completely fulfilled. Um, and it really not only talks about why people have these, you know, self-limiting beliefs or behaviors, but it also provides a really clear guide too on like what you can do to really change it. And it really helps you understand like, where do these negative thought patterns and behaviors even come from in your life. And I, I love that book so much. Okay. Your erroneous zones, right? Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, that doesn't sound very fun or sexy. <laughs> no, 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 but, no. I'm just reiterating uh, for yeah. the listeners. And that was by <laughs> Wayne Dyer? Wayne Dyer. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think I've heard of him. Um, yeah, I'll probably read one of his books or two. But uh, my question based on what you just said, do you think that if you're not at a place where you are in life or at, at the place that you want to be, that you are the only reason for it? I mean, aren't there external obstacles that can be in your way? I mean, so do you focus on, you know, how to navigate around those? Do you even recognize those as obstacles? Uh, or is it just all in you and all about you figuring figuring out how to how to control yourself? I mean... Are the obstacles yeah. internal and external or just internal? Because you always, you, lately you've been speaking about getting over yourself, you know, trying to figure out how to control or how to, how to maximize yourself. So what are your thoughts on that? I, I love that question so much. It's, you know, that kind of question of nature versus nurture, right? Why am I the way I am? And of course, you know, we, a lot of us don't have choices of the situations we grew up in mm -hmm. or how we were raised and things that maybe happened to us. But we're the ones that, you know, like taking this like radical self-responsibility, right? You know, I don't have a good relationship. Like, for example, you know, if, if we're complaining that, you know, I didn't have a good childhood, I grew up poor, you know, my parents were never around, you know, that's the story we keep telling ourselves, you know, um, and it's like, we love to play the victim. We love feeling sorry for ourselves. And, you know, I'm the way I am because I was raised this way or, you know, the world is out to get me. It's if, if you're just living your life and things are just happening to you, then that's what's always going to happen. Right. Things are just going to happen. And it's luck. Right. It's just chance. Okay. But if you take radical self-responsibility, right, it's yeah, those things already happen. But you know, you only have the present and the future. And, you know, if you, you take that responsibility, then you're taking that power. It's wow. I'm unhappy because of everything I haven't done or the things that I have done in my life. Okay. And once you take that responsibility, you know, you have that power to change, okay. right? You don't have to wait for anyone to make you happy or things, you know, it's, you have that power. And I think, 
Um, that's really my life philosophy is if, if I'm unhappy, you know, regardless of what other people do to me, I choose to either tell myself a victim story or I choose to empower myself. And that's my power. And that's where that responsibility comes from for me. Okay. I understand. But do you think there's possibly a situation where that does not work? I think, you know, death has been kind of a hot topic lately. We've lost a couple people. And I think um, sometimes, you know, quote unquote, bad things happen to really good people. I saw a quote that says, you know, the world isn't easier on you if you're a good person. And I think that good and bad is a label that is subjective to you. Bad is something you don't want to happen. Good Mm -hmm. is something you do want to happen. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. That's the, that's the duality of life, you know, death, life, happiness, unhappiness. It's, that's just the cycles of life and nature. But, you know, you see people who've gone through so much tragedy, so much pain and, looking at them and if they can have such a amazing positive, not just positive, like, Oh, you know, there's a difference between, between being positive, like, Oh, everything's good. It doesn't matter. And the world is crumbling around you. It's, you know, there is something that's real, but you know, when you accept and surrender, you know, like we can't change things that happen. It's the resistance to something that's happening that you don't want to happen. That's causing even more suffering in our lives. And so I think that that's the kind of positivity that I'm talking about is accepting because we, we can't control things, you know, when, you know, you lose someone that's really young, you know, I, I, I know that's really hard or losing a friend, you know, that's, those are things that are coming to my mind. That's, you know, has been really real for us. Right. But So let's, let's think about death in this, in this, uh, in this, in this, in this light. I mean, that's kind of dark topic, but hey, sometimes I think like the way we respond to a person's transition is is not the best way because supposedly if you believe in life forever, you don't really die. You just transition, right? So if I looked at someone's death as, oh, they're moving on to the next chapter. Yeah, get to go. You made it or blah, blah, blah. I get, you know, I guess I would process it or I could possibly process it a little different than, ah, oh, he's gone forever. I'm never going to see him again or never going to see him again. I don't know. I guess it's, it's a different way to look at it, but I guess when your mom or your close relative does does transition or however you want to call it, it's definitely a human experience. And it, right now that human experience does not involve, you know, the best the best feelings. I mean, some people try to call it a, a celebration of life these days instead of a funeral. You know, little stuff to put a spin on it just so that you process or handle it better. But, uh, but yeah, I think... I, when I have conversations with people about where I am in my life, because I look at some of my peers who, I mean, I'm not going to say they're, they're not as successful or, or maybe they're not as happy with their situation as I am with mine, because I'm definitely happy with my situation. It could be better. It could be worse. Uh, but I like to use the little analogy. I'm not a tree. Uh, and what that means is if you're in a situation where you're not liking the way the situation is playing out, you're not a tree. Move, you know, period. So growing up where I grew up at, I mean, I kind of, I think maybe I was an old soul. I kind of saw that these are probably going to be my only options here. And I don't want those to be the only options that I get to experience in this journey or in this life. So I don't like the way this place is spitting out 
young men that look like me. So I'm going to go somewhere else to where I do like the results, you know, of what, what people like me are growing up to be. And, and that was just one of my things, you know, I'm not a tree, you know, that's, that's, that's what I live by. But I don't want you to think that I'm running either. I mean, I'm not running from a situation. I just see that this situation is not producing what I'd like it to produce. I love that so much, <laughs> right? It's, uh, I think what I love is, you know, what you're not changing, you're choosing. Right. Okay. So, you know, if, if, if this is a situation or if something's going on in your life that, you know, it's, it's not aligned with you, it's not what you want, you know, you can think about it. You can think about how it sucks. Right. <laughs> you can sit there or you can do something, take some type of action, you know, to, to change. Right. And I think that's, that's the difference, right? Between us and trees is we get to choose for ourselves always. It, sometimes it feels like, why is this happening to me? Like, it's like, you know, you feel like you're forced into this situation, but get a little creative, sit down and think like, what can I do to change this? Because, I think we always have the power to to change something and to choose something different. The power of choice. Mm -hmm. That supposedly makes us different from a lot of different people, uh, a lot of different species, a lot of different things on the planet Earth is that we have the power of choice. What are some, some words that you live by? I just told you I'm not a tree was one of the things that I like to roll with when I find myself in situations that aren't, you know, where I want them to be. Uh, what are some of your sayings? I think the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, positivity is a choice. Um, just like, you know, I think this is kind of fits everything that we've been speaking about, but it's really easy to, to be negative. It's really easy to kind of um, fall into those patterns and to really get into a negative uh, mindset. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, you have to choose sometimes it's not just being positive. Like it's, I have to choose to see how this is teaching me something. Right. Mm. I have to choose to get creative and take a look at, you know, like what is this actually teaching me as opposed to why is this happening to me? You know, like what, what good is, is coming from this that I can't see. And maybe it's just going to take some time. And, you know, I think for me, a big, another big thing is just, I wouldn't say a quote, but something I live by is just, you know, surrender and accept, right? You surrender to life. The more we resist to things that are happening and to others, that's, that's even more suffering that we're causing for ourselves. And, okay. you know, yeah. The, the, the word surrender, that's not really a that doesn't, I mean, as a male in America, that doesn't really sound like a, a direction <laughs> yeah. that I want to go. So when you say surrender and accept, can you be more elaborate on that? Can you speak a little bit more about what am I surrendering to? Because, yeah, I mean, no retreat, no surrender for me. Oorah, devil dogs, marine course type stuff, you know, <laughs> surrender. No. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I, oh, that's good. Yeah. I think um, I can definitely see from a male perspective how, you know, surrender the word is you know i definitely don't mean it by giving up right. i definitely more mean it in like accept what is happening now and i think you know spiritually perhaps okay. um you know because you know when you know we're going into a workout or if i'm competing right. yeah you know it's like go for broke right. for sure but i think when i when i speak surrender and accept i'm speaking about emotional suffering and spirituality um, surrendering to things that we cannot control, right? 
I only have a limited amount of energy. And if I continue to resist things that are happening in my life, mm-hmm. you know, I cause more suffering and more pain for myself. And instead of surrendering to the moment, surrendering to what life is trying to teach me and trusting and having faith that this is happening for a reason and I'm going to get through it is more so the surrender I'm speaking of. Not when you're trying to grind it out and grit and go after yourself. No, don't surrender. Like don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your dreams. And, you know, in terms of battle and like fighting, like you, you should be fighting for what you believe in and for yourself and for your life and those that you love. But do what you can control the controllables and surrender and accept and flow with the things that you can't control. Right. That's wasted energy. And I think that's kind of more what I was speaking to. Okay. So for some of us, 2020 has been one of the most challenging times in in our lives. Not for me. I'm a little older, but for some people, this, this year has been exceptionally challenging. Would 2020 be the type of situation where you're talking about surrender and, you know, what was it? Surrender and, and what? Accept. Yeah. yeah. Surrender and accept. So is this the type of year where you surrender and accept or is this the type of year where you grind and grit it out? Um, would 2020 be an example of surrendering and accepting? For me, yes. I, I think um, like what you just said, people were associating 2020 with like just negative thoughts. Like this has been the worst year ever. Everything's been taken away from me. I can't do the things I'm used to doing, but Hey, like, let's just pause for a second. There are some people who've had an amazing year. So what's the difference between them and you, right? Those that are having a great year and those that are having a bad year. Yeah. It was a different year. There were a lot of challenges and there were a lot of unexpected things, but, but those who just accept you know, what's happening, like, and, and continuing to live their life, controlling the controllables, not complaining or whining and just getting stuck in the negativity of, I can't go to the bars. I can't go out. The gym is closed. It's like, okay, well then make it work, you know, surrender to that and try to make it work, put your energy into something that you can do instead of something you can't do. And I think that's the difference between people who are happy, fulfilled and successful and having an amazing year, no matter what's happening. And those that are going to latch on to an excuse of, oh, this year is so different. I've never experienced anything like this. And it just sucks. Right. I always come back to what does not kill me only makes me stronger. That's a little hard and a little, little, little deep for some people. But I just that's how I've always been brought up, you know, and 2020 has not killed me. It's definitely made me stronger. And I think that's the case for a whole lot of people that have made it to this day today. I think it's the third of December or something. The year's almost over. But you've uh, you've been through some stuff and you've endured it and you've overcome it. So I think that you want to learn from that. Like, how did I, how the world did I make it through 2020? If I can make it through 2020, I can make it through anything. That's the way you got to look at it. You know, I can make it through 2020. I can start this business. I can make it through 2020. I can lose this weight. You know, so that's the type of mentality I think that we should take from 2020. Um, Again, it hasn't been the worst for all of us, but some of us have definitely seen rock bottom in 2020. And again, I just say, you got to take that, like, if I can make it through 2020, I can do anything type attitude and move forward into 2021 with that. I love that. It's, you know, there's no growth without some pain and adversity. And I think this, this year specifically in the last years, um, especially for America, 
I think that's exactly what it was. It was just, we're growing and, you know, all of us individually and as, you know, as a nation and as a species, right. It's when, when the pressure's on, are you going to grow? And I think I've seen a lot of people grow and flourish. Mm -hmm. And I think those that are doing really well, you know, like, those that aren't doing well, please like reach out and support your brothers and sisters. And that's what it's about. It's, it's trying to spread this positive positivity, but also support. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think the words that you chose are, yeah, if you can make it through this, you know, we, we can endure and survive. And that's the most beautiful thing about being human is that we are very resilient. And I think this year has shown it for sure. And that's what we're meant for. That's what we're built for. We're highly adaptable. So. Yep. Highly adaptable human being species. Yeah. We all the same. I mean, I was having this uh, conversation and then we'll finish it pretty shortly. Uh, we'll probably go for about another 15 minutes. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but you know, I'm, I'm going through my head and I'm trying to figure things out, you know, because it's definitely been, you know, some situations this year where I'm just sitting down. And I'm like, man, how can I, how can I help make this better? you know, for, for some people, for myself. And I was like, hmm, what if, because a lot of the stuff that we experienced this year was based on us trying to be separate, us trying to be different, this side, that side, so to speak. What if, as human beings, we could not see with our visual? If we couldn't see, we were just a bunch, of, it was just a species that couldn't see. And I was like, ah, if we couldn't see, this color and that color, we can get along a whole lot better than what we're getting along, get, than the way we're getting along. Because, that, you know, a lot of stuff was going on, you know, Blue Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. What if nobody could see any color? Would it be a better place to be? I'm just thinking to myself. So I was like, okay, what you see in the mirror is not you. If you can get over what you see in the mirror, you'd realize that we're all the same. And I was like, ah, oh, man, that's pretty powerful. I think, I think I'm going to roll with it. I think I want to push that scenario. But I was like, ah, uh, no. If we couldn't see each other, then we'd be talking about, oh, you smell different. <laughs> or you feel different when I touch you or something. <laughs> There's always something that's going to come up that makes us yeah. different, you know. I guess that's one of the things that we like to do as humans is be ourselves or be special. or be. I don't know I don't know the word I want to use, but uh, I think, yeah, we're all going to be different. We are different. That's not the challenge. The challenge is learning to get along being different, you know. So... Yeah, that's my 100%. We just, we just I love that. Yeah. 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 I think we're more than our physical bodies, right? You know, who, who you are, who I am, it's not just like my ethnicity, my weight, my skin color. You know, we're more than that. We're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience, <laughs> is what a lot of people say. And right. we're, we're more than just our physical. And unfortunately, you know, we're, this is what we see. And, and instead of really seeing each other for, you know, being just humans, right? We, we hold each other when we're hard on ourselves, you know, when, when we can't accept ourselves and love ourselves fully, we have a hard time doing that with others. Mm -hmm. And we have a hard time accepting people for their differences, right? I, I think people who judge others severely, I think that they judge themselves even harder behind closed doors. You know, I think um, when you learn to love yourself and love the people around you, you know, that's when we can get over our differences. And I think we're we're born and made to, to love and accept each other. And it's this balance of, 
we're, we're made to like belong and feel connected with each other, but we're also unique and different. No one is like you. No one is like me. There's only one. So this is how it's meant to be. It's, you know, we're different, but we're all the same. And it's that beautiful paradox and duality of life and, and humans. All right. And uh, with that being said, I'd like to thank you. But before I close this out, I want you to go ahead again and give all the listeners your information so they can reach out to you if they're interested in, you know, creating that, uh, that, what do you call that first call you make if they're interested in having that? Uh, uh, the discovery call. Yeah, the discovery yeah. call with you, they can find you. Yeah, so I think the best way would be to just, you know, slide in the DMs <laughs> if you're serious about life coaching. Um, but the Instagram is at Helen Killer, H-E-L-E-N-K-I-L-L-R. Got it. Helen, I really appreciate you. I love your positive energy. Uh, thank you for always being there for me. And if you ever need anything, shout out, let me know. I'll do my best to, you know, to accommodate. Thank you very much. Love, love what you're doing. And I'm so grateful, so honored to be on here and just so appreciative of the opportunity. You're welcome. Appreciate you. Thank you. Take care. As always, I'd like to thank our special guest for joining us on Good Hurt, the podcast. I'd also like to thank our listeners for tuning in. This is the ninth episode of Get Hurt the Podcast, and our goal is to complete 12 before the year is done. So please subscribe, rate, review, and stay tuned.